Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to episode 53 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. How's it going, John? It's going good. Hey, it's actually morning this time when you... Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it, we're like on like a 3 for 53 rate on that, but it, it's 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 trending up, man. It's trending up. I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. Thank you all for being patient with us. You know, this episode will come out on Tuesday, you know, every other week, but we had... I. Not me. I had some stuff going on yesterday. You know, that had to really take precedence. But we're here to talk about what was technically a football game on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it, it, dude, I, I, but like before we get into all of it, it was one of like the sloppiest, like just straight up bad football games. Like the first half, especially, it was just bad football. Like, yeah, it was some good defense too, but like there was one sequence. It was like fumble, fumble. Fumbled snap interception. <laughs> I'm like, bro, what the hell's going on here? So many penalties, too. I think the Chiefs had 12. I'm not sure how many of the Jaguars are getting, like, maybe oh, only two. Wow. <laughs> it, it, Chiefs got penalized a lot. Jawan Taylor got penalized a lot. Jawan Taylor got penalized a lot. I, I, I feel so bad for Jawan. Like, it basically feels like like cops with speeding ticket quotas now. Like they can't not ticket you, Juwan. Like yeah. come on, they, they they got a job to do. <laughs> they're just doing what they were told by the higher ups. But yeah, it's it's tough. I feel like the be, being the season opener for like the Chiefs new team and then being in Jacksonville was kind of like a rough start for him. But hopefully they'll kind of take it easy on him as the season progresses. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But <laughs> yeah, seventeen to nine Chiefs win. It, it was a game. It, uh, <laughs> it was a game. That's, like, I feel like that's how everyone was describing it through the first two or three quarters. It's like, this is just weird. It's not really what anyone was expecting because, I mean, you were one of a billion people who was like, yeah, take the over. Uh, or there's going to be points scored. And again, I don't know. You said it well. It was definitely like good defense being played, but just a weird game. I was going to say, I, d- I did say a lot. 
<laughs> all of it ended up being pretty much not true. I, yeah, no, I got I got one of the, your hot takes written down. <laughs> oh, okay, finally it it, it oh. comes back to bite me. Yeah, it comes back to bite As me. It should. As it should. Well, I mean, okay. yeah, we'll, we'll obviously start with the Jaguars' offense. There, there's a lot going on. It feels like in two weeks, like e- even like I thought it was noteworthy. The most like noteworthy thing Trevor Lawrence said after the game, and normally in post game press conferences, other than getting answers from a coach on maybe why he did something, which he didn't exactly get a lot of those on Sunday either. Yeah. You you basically get like fed jargon, and Trevor Lawrence like he's been you know media trained since he was like 14, 15 years old, so you right. know he's he's pretty buttoned up and what he says. But he said he was like, yeah, even in week one when we won, the offense just wasn't. You know, wasn't really clicking, and it's true. I I think that call it an overreaction, whatever. I mean, through two weeks, they're what thirtieth, I think, in EPA per play, and maybe thirty first. I I know they're thirty second in total EPA. I I think that's a bit of a flawed stat, just because of a uh, you know the three turnovers. But yeah, it doesn't look much better when you do it like per play. It looks yeah, a little really different. And, like, the thing is, there's, like, so many different areas that could get cleaned up. Like, this whole scapegoat thing we talked about last week and, like, or the whole play calling thing we talked about last week. And, like, that might just be a scapegoat situation. <laughs> you just pulled scapegoat out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was getting my head of myself in this sentence. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, but, like, do you blame, like, the change in play calling? Do you blame, like, the moving pieces in the offensive line? Do you blame, like, Trevor? Like, not that he's been bad last week or the past two weeks, but, like, he hasn't been incredible either. There's been a little bit of rust from the receivers. Uh, so, like, if you had to, like, assign blame in one area, where would it be? And also, like, before you answer that, like, what's, like, your general, like, panic index level right now? Like, say, a 1 to 10 for the offense. I'd say probably like four, you know. I I I don't think it's anything really unfixable because I yeah. do think like just the reality of it, the line will get better in week five when Cam returns. I think we all expect Walk a little to move to left guard, and you know, yeah, he's been he's been really good at left tackle. Why would you move him? But either way, he'll be an upgrade at left guard. You know, I mean, so yeah. I, I, was, I, I sorry, go ahead. And so I. I'd say a four, and I, I I think like a lot of the offensive issues have been you know one like minute execution you know here or there. That's not to say you know they'll be fixed, but it's like on a lot of plays they're like right there. And I also think things will even out to a sense because I mean one they're still tenth in success rate, which it's it's crazy, man. Like you know thirty or thirty first in EPA per play, but tenth in success rate. They're still like getting, you know, plays when they need to, you know, they're basically they're moving the ball. It's just disastrous things keep happening to them at one point or another, whether it's a backbreaking turnover or a third or fourth down sack. Like I had a stat yesterday, Anton Harrison's given up, you know, a lot of people look at his first two weeks and say, you know, wow, he's really struggling. He's only given up five pressures in two weeks. You know, there's like, I think 23 offensive tackles with at least 40 pass protection snaps have given up more pressures. Like, the Steelers left tackle was giving up 15 alone in two games, which is crazy. And like Darnell Wright has given up more pressures than Anton Harrison. Dewan Jones has given up the same amount of pressures in 18 fewer pass protection snaps. But 
three of his pressures have been sacks and they've all been on third or fourth down. So they're like, when he does get beat, it's like one of the worst plays of the game. And it feels like it's that way for the entire offense, if that makes sense. Like, you know, when something goes wrong, it doesn't like go kind of wrong. It's like, Jesus Christ, what the hell was that? <laughs> Jamal Agnew didn't just drop a pass. It was, he dropped a backwards pass and turned into a fumble. Uh, it, it, they have a problem with that. <laughs> they have too many. Like, what, Andy Reid challenged that twice or won twice? Mm-hmm. He, uh, the whole, like, Agnew gadgety thing was pretty fun last year, but he had, like, one of the highest rates of, like, touches per snap. And crazy. so, like, now that, like, everyone in the league has like gotten a chance to like see like one year of Doug's offense. It's like whenever Agnew comes onto the field, there's like flashing lights and like, everyone's like, we woo, we woo. Look at this guy. Cause he's probably going to get the ball. And so it's just probably working the same. This year. See, he had 35 touches last year on 141 offensive snaps. So it's like insane. That doesn't That's happen. Like- it's definitely like one of the league leaders, depending on how you like filter the criteria. But I would say my panic level is like a two or three. I'm I'm on the same wavelength that you are. We're like the offensive line like will get better with the return of Cam, and then just like Fortner and Sheriff getting a little bit healthier, and then like I don't know about Christian Kirk, but for Calvin Ridley, I'd expect him to like kind of bounce back from the past game. It seemed like the heat might have been getting to him as much as like anyone else. He had two two drops that were, like, tough catches, but he should have made. Um, and then, like, I don't know. Trevor just, like, seemed like he was, like, forcing passes and, like, wasn't really, like, in that groove that he gets in when he's playing a really good ball. So, but, like, again, it's just, like, a lot of, like, really small things. And, like, they're not necessarily going to get fixed entirely or, like, right away. But it's kind of, like, easy to see, like – Literally, if Zay keeps two feet in like two different times, and like we not might not really be worried about the offense, but instead they put up the goose egg, which in Trevor's words was like embarrassing and frustrating. So here we are. But like I, I think if I had to assign blame to one area for the week two game specifically, it would be on the receivers because like again, like what do you really expect from a rookie? right tackle and then an injured center and right guard against as you said like chris jones one of the best defensive players of this generation so like that that like it is what it is but i think that like just slightly better execution from the receivers especially like would have been big for the week two game but like whether they can kind of execute going forward is the biggest thing that i'll be looking for yeah like i i thought trevor was better in week one you know, I, I I don't think he was good in week two. I think he was probably, like, about average. I mean, there's, you know, the fourth down play when he got sacked, but I think it was Chris Jones, you know, Anton got beat. Yeah. You know, it, it, he had Christian Kirk open, you know, and he just at double clutched it. And it looked like he let the pressure affect him. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the game, a couple of plays in the red zone, you know, a play where he could have ran it for a first instead, like you said, kind of forced and – Inaccurate pass. He missed Ingram on once on one slant. Uh, he had Luke Farrell like open on a uh, incompletion, you know, in, in the red zone. It, it, it just didn't feel like like he was as poised and read the field as cleanly as he does, you know, most weeks. And then the deep ball, that one deep ball to Zay Jones, I think was the worst deep ball I've ever seen him throw. Yeah, but like I, 
did you think like Zay was open? No, he wasn't open at all. Yeah, I think it was like almost a throwaway. I don't know. Yeah. Certainly wasn't pretty. I mean, Zay had to tackle the corner. I, <laughs> I don't know how I didn't get flagged. Honestly, <laughs> that's true. There was there was a lot of like. Yeah. So. But he also made some really like that throw to Christian Kirk, obviously, at the end of the third quarter was, you know, massive. Those downfield throws to Calvin Ridley, who Ridley, while he didn't have a productive day, I mean, he drew what, two offensive pass interference penalties, which, like, when teams like show they can't run with them, I believe that's just what you got to do. Like, even if it's incomplete, dude, you're getting free yards right there, especially. It seems like they know when the offense is stagnant, that's kind of the will to go to. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It looked like Ridley, you know, Still, you know, looking like he was getting used to things. The play where he got thrown <laughs> into the goalpost was unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> that I, I, I'm, I was surprised he came back in the game after that, honestly. And like, like we said, there was just a bunch of so many like close plays in the end zone where maybe Trevor missed an inch here, or maybe Zay Jones, you know, didn't get a foot down. Mm-hmm. It was like plays that it looks like the. Jaguars make them like nine out of ten times, you know, like the Zay Jones, like in the back of the end zone plays, especially I feel like we've seen them make that throw over and over again. And at some point, it's just not your day. You know, and it, 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 it felt like that someday. So it definitely felt, you know, a little forced at times. And I also think, you know, every, everybody, like you said, is going to talk about press Taylor and the play calling. I think the, the Jamal Agnew gadget play right after fumble. I thought, okay, I think that's one play you can critique. Yeah. I thought the Christian Kirk double pass was, you know, too cute. It like I I just I don't think you need, you know, gadget plays. You know, like I, I get what you're doing. You know, you're trying to get catch them on their heels and get some momentum going, but at some point you need to just play, you know. Yeah. Especially like you're not starting Marvin Jones anymore, you know. You don't need to trick them <laughs> anymore, you know. <laughs> You can you can just you know be a regular offense, and I think you know obviously the first and goal. I don't know how to interpret you know that first and goal play from the one you know what Doug it, like, it seems like it was Trevor's fault basically you know I don't know if it was a design handoff or if it was an option maybe, but. I- it, I think it was a design handoff, and yeah. then he like just saw an opening and pulled it, which is the same thing that happened in the Tennessee game last year. And like, I like I don't think Doug and like the coaching staff is like necessarily opposed to him like seeing an opportunity and kind of taking it, but obviously it just like did not work out on Sunday because he read like there's two guys that crashed off the edge, so Trevor just kept the ball and tried to go outside, but. I think it was Nick Bolton who made just an awesome play to kind of meet him out on the edge. Yeah, and then Legarius Need was like basically playing like linebacker and just flew and you know smacked him. And I think when Doug was saying like, "Yeah, we can put them in better situations," he means maybe just go eye formation and not yeah. like you know the chance like to do something like that, like just hand it off with the gut. So I I thought. Maybe even though it was a call run, maybe it was a bit big brain there just because knowing who your quarterback is and you need to be firm. <laughs> like, we're just running this thing. You know, we need a touchdown here, no mistakes. I thought those were the bad moments in the play calling. Otherwise, I, you go back and watch it, man. A lot of it is just, like, plays are there and, like, it's, like, one big mistake happening from somebody. 
you know, like I, I'm not saying that to atone anything because, like I said, the plays I mentioned, I thought were bad, and a lot of them came at critical times. But I really think like the Jaguars' offense looks a lot like it did last year in terms of you know what they're trying to do. You know, I don't think the like I don't think the play calling looks that different in my opinion. No. And if there was any one major like thing, I think they didn't do well. It was help Anton Harrison and. Other than that, I think it was most execution. Now, but Anton ended up being a big reason that lost. Yeah. So that's not to say it was a small thing, but yeah, that's my two cents. I think that's fair. I feel like a lot of like the gimmicky, cute plays that were called were kind of because of Anton and the offensive line. It was like, like we want to be able to like drop back Trevor into three and five step drops like every other play, but like. It's just not feasible based on the amount of pressure that Kansas City is creating. So, like, that's when you see, like, trying to get the ball out quick to Jamal Agnew in space. And then you see, like, them trying to have, like, Kansas City's defensive line right across the field on that double pass. And then that, that they didn't run across the field, so they were just, like, right there ready to make the play. Um, so, to me, like, the offensive play calling showed a lack of trust in the offensive line. But – like, again, like, the offensive line is going to improve at least a little bit as time yeah. goes on, and they're not going to play Chris Jones every week. Uh, I, like, so I guess, like, one thing that I'll be looking for in the Houston game is, like, the big thing is whether they can bounce back in red zone offense because they were three for three in week one and then 0 for three in week two. So it's, like, which which version of the Jaguars do you want to be, like, this year and like improving or are you going to be stuck in 2022 and then against Houston like I predicted a month ago if not longer that Will Anderson was going to record three sacks against Anton Harrison so what are they going to do schematically to prevent my hot take from yeah Will Anderson looks fantastic and he's probably going to be one of the toughest guys like it, it that shows the nature of the NFL it's like you can't take a breath and be like okay we played, you know, an alien last week. Maybe this will be easier. Nope. Yeah, Chris Jones last week. Yeah, Will Anderson this week. Yeah, I think things will get better when you play the Atlanta Falcons. But that's about the extent of that. I mean, back to your receiver point. I I agree. I I agree with you a lot to an extent. That it just wasn't as sharp a game from the receivers. I mean, they had four drops. Like Trevor's, I think, adjusted completion rate was like 67% or something like that. So, like, it, yeah. you know, better than it ended up being. And it was two drops by Calvin Ridley, two drops by Christian Kirk. And I think what kind of goes back to what I was saying, the execution is, you know, all four of those drops came on plays where Trevor Lawrence wasn't pressured. So, you know, like, these – if you have an offensive line that's struggling, you need to make plays when, like, you know, the blocks are there. And Yeah. yeah I, I, Remember one of the Ridley drops was like it would have been an explosive play in the first drive. It would got him what like the Chiefs like thirty or something like that. And then Kirk, Kirk had the strangest one hundred yard game. I think you're gonna see because yeah. it did not feel at all like the impact of the one hundred yard game. Didn't he have like fourteen targets or something too? I, be- I believe so. Yeah, I was just like, like you kind of said like. It's about the expectations because, like, we talked for, like, all of August about, like, how the offensive line might sneakily be a concern. And then, obviously, some injuries happen. And, obviously, Cam isn't playing and Anton is in his, like, first couple of NFL games. So, like, the offensive line struggles shouldn't be, like, super surprising at this point in the season. But 
like Kirk dropping two big balls and then like Ridley supposing to be the alpha guy who he's like kind of talking this big game about like how there's no more rush in this game anymore. We know it kind of clearly showed up in week two. And then Zay, like apparently he had a knee injury or he did have a knee injury and left the game. And so that'll be like a big thing to monitor because I haven't heard anything about that. But the way Doug was talking about it on Monday was like, it's not like major, but it might not be minor either. Um, But like, again, like just those two or three end zone targets to Zay Jones, like just barely missing. Uh, If, if you knew going into the season that the offensive line wasn't going to be perfect from the start, then you were going to need a little bit more out of your receiver group, even if your main receiver is, like, new in town. But, like, I think if if I had to, like, blame one unit for the loss or for the overall game performance I'd put on the receivers. Yeah. So, Kirk was second in targets in week two, 10th in yards, and 28th in yards per route. So, it <laughs> – it like it, it just it felt like a day like I think Doug kind of spelled it out last Friday. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you know, the Chiefs play a lot of man coverage and pressure. We're going to throw it to Christian Kirk a lot, which kind of seems like that's what the Jaguars are going to do against teams like that. Gus, how much of this also do you just tip your hat to the Chiefs? Like, it seems like their defense is legit good. You know, oh, like, totally. especially on the red zone plays, like because yeah, it was like a matter of inches and like. Maybe Zay could have gotten two feet in and Ridley. Maybe Trevor could have placed it, like, slightly better. But, like, all that said, like, it was a matter of interest because of, like, how the Chiefs were playing them. They played lights out, not just the red zone, but, like, everywhere on the field. I feel like Jacksonville couldn't get their run game going at all early in the game. And then later on, they were able to, like, kind of sort sort of figure out how to pick up closer to four or five-yard chunks. Um, but, man, like, they looked good. I feel like usually a Spags defense isn't this like well put together this early in the season, but yeah, they, they like they looked like the defending champions. Let's see. So the Jaguars had thirteen carries on between the running backs on Sunday, and take away Travis Etienne's you know nine yard carry, and they had thirty nine yards on twelve you know other carries. It. There's just nothing there, you know, for the running game. And the screen game is an extension of the running game, too. But they obviously are going to struggle to run it against teams with tough interior and physical defensive lines, which is, you know, what the Chiefs have. And, yeah, I'm with you. I thought Spags, like his defense, you know, really brought it. Obviously, not every team has Chris Jones. But most teams have a guy who is, you know, not Chris Jones, but – pretty dang good and can hurt you. So yeah. it's worth, you know, watching forward. I think the biggest thing after, you know, watching it again is I know I it does, in my opinion, the play calling looks similar to last year, but it also to me, does, does it feel like to you, like they're trying a million different things and they, you know, potentially just don't know what direction to go in right now. Like it's week two. I know it's still feeling out for teams, but you know, you'd expect they would already, you know, be felt out after last year. Does it seem like maybe they just don't know what their identity is right now? Uh, maybe they're like working through it a little bit, but I don't think they're just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like it's not yeah. that deal. Like 
I agree with you that like their offense looks very similar to what their offense was last year. And like, like in the run game, like they already had a pretty diverse run game with like different types of calls. It's not like they like majored in one thing, like in a wide zone. So when they're like doing a bunch of different stuff now, like I think it's just that they have like a pretty like expansive playbook. I don't think it's necessarily like, Oh, now that we have Ridley, like let's try to introduce like this, like whole new thing of concepts or like same thing with tank or Brenton strange. I think it's like, they probably like added or modified a couple things during the off season, but like, they're just going to do that every off season. It wasn't necessarily because of like any new pieces or, Trevor going into his second year like that's where the biggest difference probably would be is like just doing things that Trevor really likes and staying away from things that he doesn't like yeah I think maybe like by the end of the season like we could kind of see it transform a little bit and we're like oh this is like kind of at this point a different offense than it was in 2022 but from what I've seen so far like they haven't really changed that too much that's fair I'm glad you mentioned Britain train that the, like their rookie class, like production on Sunday, where it was like Anton versus Chris Jones, take Bigsby and pass protection. And yeah, like do, with like two touches, Tank zero. zero touches. Okay. Zero touches, zero targets. <laughs> yeah. Zero they, they, target to him didn't count. No, because it was a fumble. Yeah. 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 Dang right. Didn't count. It, I, he played like one fewer snap than the week before, so it's not like he even played less. They just didn't give him, you know, the ball. And I'm glad you mentioned Brendan Strange. So far, averaging six routes per game. I think that was my guess, wasn't it? Or you you asked me a couple of days ago how many? I guess I think you said like ten. I mean, yeah, he's he's ran twelve. So mm. not not saying anything. Picks, you know, obviously bad pick out to week two, especially when, yeah, him and Luke Farrell got blew up on one max protection play. But otherwise, yeah. you go back, and I thought he, I thought Strange honestly blocked well. He had a really nice block on Evan Ingram's screen on the first drive. But it, it, it does go to show that, you know, maybe they could have drafted for more of an immediate impact, you know, in the second round. But that'll be a conversation, obviously, to be had. You know, before we break, you want this week's ball cue ball? Since, since, you're, I, since you, that's the first time you've ever asked me if I wanted it. Does my response make a difference? Since we're on the topic, go for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> you ready? I, I guess. Okay. Players this year with fewer sacks than Caleb Von Chason. Okay. All right. With the same amount of pass rush snaps. Okay. Sam Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, Tyree Wilson, Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> Adafi Owe, Greg Russo, Sam Hubbard, Nick Bosa, <laughs> oh, wow. Hassan Reddick, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Calais Campbell. Would you rather have any of those players than Caleb Vaughn Chase Vaughn's pass rush production this year? <laughs> You've been bulky bald. That was like the gnarliest list ever. It's like Nick Bosa and Calais Campbell. <laughs> what? It, it, obviously, like, I think Chason has like two pressures and 32 pressure snaps. But yeah. it's it's hilarious because you know NFL GMs think about sacks strictly mm-hmm. and not pressures. So, you know, 
they showed their stuff about Chase Song getting a sack against Mahomes. Hey. Didn't watch it. He went around the world in order to get Mahomes. Like just. Would you rather have Aiden Hutchinson's NFL best thirteen pressures or Caleb on Chase Song's one sack? Easily Aiden Hutchinson's thirteen pressures. You just got masterclassed, my friend. <laughs> you just got masterclassed. I I don't. <laughs> This segment makes less and less sense to me. Arden Key yeah. has nine pressures and three sacks, by the way. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Master class. <laughs> All right. We're going to break, come back, talk about the defense. How many pressures and sacks does JV on Clowney have? Okay, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Do, 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 do. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm I'm working, I'm working. We got the the guy at the desk. Is that what they call him? <laughs> he has two more pressures than Trayvon Walker has this season. Oh, interesting. PFF also isn't like the it, it's gonna be annoying to me the rest of the year. You have to look at Trayvon's thing and add a pressure to it. They're not counting, I guess, the pressure from when he drew the hold on Juwan Taylor because NGS counts that as a pressure and they have him as a pressure. ESPN apparently counted as a pressure. Yeah. Is big PFF, you know, working for APFS. You know, pump up the Ed Hutchins stats a bit. <laughs> no, no. Ed Hutchins has been significantly better. <laughs> okay. We got to get to the defense. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll break and be right back. All right, Gus, as we all predicted through two weeks, the Jaguars are being driven by Mike Caldwell. Mike Caldwell. He's coaching his ass off, too. <laughs> he is. Holy cow. Like, talk about, like, getting the most out of your unit. Didn't really see that. Like, saw maybe a little bit of flashes last year, but there was always that caveat of, like, the opposing quarterbacks that they faced. And then it's, like, week one, they come out, perform really well. But it's, like, well, it's a first-time head coach. It's a rookie quarterback making his first ever start, and he had, like, not a lot of collegiate starts, so he's a pretty raw guy. So it's like, yeah, the defense did well, but there was still kind of, like, that asterisk mark. And, like, yeah, maybe Travis Kelsey wasn't fully healthy for the Chiefs, and maybe they don't really have a true receiving threat beyond him. But, like, you still just went up against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and held them to 20 points, which is incredibly impressive. The Chiefs only scored that few points once last year. Uh, they scored 17 in a loss to the Colts in week three. So, like, <laughs> it's crazy because, like, we talked all offseason about, like, how, like, oh, they, like, lost two depth pass rushers and didn't really, like, get anywhere, get better anywhere in terms of the roster. Um, and the Jags brass is like, oh, well, we're going to see like second year improvement, not just from second year players in the league, like someone like Trayvon Walker's in the second NFL season, but also guys like. um, Andre Cisco. No, I was trying to think of like a free agent who signed last year who's going into like their second year as a champion. Yeah, he mentioned Foyer, Foley. Yeah, so. Like, guys like that, they were just expecting, like, their current roster to kind of just, like, get a little bit better. And, like, that's what we saw against the Chiefs. I feel like uh, Andre Sisco has clearly been, like, the biggest improver. We saw some of that in week one, too. 
And so like he's being he's become like a key impact defender in the middle of the field. And then like now that Darius Williams is starting at the year on the outside as opposed to the nickel, like they really haven't let up a lot with anything on like the outside of the numbers between him and Tyson Campbell playing outside corner. And then like Trey Herndon is hurt held up pretty well. He like lets up one or two big plays here and there, but like he makes plenty of plays too. Uh Devin Lloyd <laughs> still coming along. I I thought like the Travis Kelsey touchdown obviously was him like just not being obviously disciplined, knowing that Kelsey likes to get off like when they get off schedule, like don't just sit in your zone. But I thought otherwise, when I went back and watched it, honestly, not a bad game from him. I yeah, I'll say I think it was on the same drive as that Kelsey touchdown. It was the one where like Pacheco had the big run to like start the third quarter. It was that run was not to Lloyd's side, but he like kind of like had an opportunity to like hit a gap, but then he just kind of like stood there and was like looking around and then Pacheco like beat him outside and then he like couldn't even chase him down. So like that was like kind of a rough moment on film, but then later in the same drive, the chiefs ran another like similar looking power play to Pacheco again, going like not in the direction of Lloyd. And then like Lloyd this time just like hit the gap and like made a tackle for loss. And so like, even though he's not all the way there yet, like, you can see signs of improvement. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm with you. I do think he looks better than he did last year. He had a nice pass breakup in the end zone against Kelsey, too. Like, I I, I know Kelsey wasn't 100%, but, dude, the Chiefs still threw to him nine times. Like, if, if, if he was, you know, Lieutenant Dan out there and couldn't move, like, he wouldn't be on the field as much as he was, and he wouldn't, you know, have gotten – the amount of volume that he did. So, I mean, it, he had nine targets, you know, obviously caught the nine-yard touchdown, his longest catch of the day. Take away that and three catches on eight targets for 15 yards and, like, several pass breakups by the Jaguars. I know Rayshon Jenkins had two. So, it was, I thought, as good defensively as they've – like, Patrick Mahomes just looked flustered a lot of the time. And yeah. I know that this isn't the Tyreek Hill Chiefs, you know, like, Justin Watson – he can fly, but other than the one deep catch he had, he didn't really do much. Right. I thought this was as good as they played Patrick Mahomes. I think, like, their defensive line was, like, the standout, partly because, like, they got a lot of pressures and were able to get him down the ground a couple of times. But, like, at first I was like, oh, like, the coverage is playing out of their minds because it seemed like a decent amount of coverage, snap, coverage sacks where – like Mahomes was just kind of like standing pat in the pocket and didn't really have anywhere to go, to go downfield. So then like the pressure eventually got to him. So at first I was ready to like hand the award or whatever to the secondary, but even though the secondary did play very well also, like thinking back on it, like I think the Jags just did an awesome job of kind of like collapsing the pocket, but not like too quickly. They just contained Mahomes like better than I've seen them contain any quarterback in Mike Caldwell's tenure. And, like, I feel like Mahomes had, like, two scrambles for 15 yards and, like, one first down, and that was it. So he's, like, such an underrated scrambler because, like, even if he doesn't actually pick up yards, then he'll do a ton of damage outside the pocket. And I feel like he really didn't do, like, any damage outside the pocket. Not really, dude. So, like, hats off to, like, the coverage, the defensive line for playing good contain and then getting home. Mike Caldwell for – putting the whole thing together. It was a, it was a really impressive showing. 
I thought, honestly, like uh, the pass rush, I didn't think was uh, as good as maybe it, it needs to be. But like like you said, the containment was, to me, the best they've ever had against Patrick Mahomes. Because that's always what they struggle with against Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion, especially last year, was they just like they could get an initial pressure, but they could not contain him like to save yeah. their lives. Yeah, yeah, they got like plenty of pressures in the divisional round, especially, but like then just couldn't bring them all the way to the ground. So it seemed like it was. Uh, yeah. I'm sure they like tried <clears throat> something similar last year, and then it just like they ended up being able to execute it better this time around. Um, but yeah, it was. That's fair. It, it didn't seem like a much different approach than what they had last year. I'll give you that. I mean. <laughs> You know, you mentioned. I, I think Andre Cisco has been, you know, arguably the best performer on the defense through the two weeks. I mean, he has one interception, one forced fumble, two pass breakups. I think he's been like undeniably like elevated his game to a level like like that interception he made. When you see like the wide replay of it, the whole field, it's insane. <laughs> it is the range and t- play speed is crazy. Yeah, it's a too high safety look, and he's on he's on the shell that's like not covering the deep ball and then he kind of like flies over which like maybe that's kind of sort of his like jurisdiction or like area he should have been like helping out in but like i don't know it seemed like he just like made yeah. the same play yeah it, it 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 really was and i think like just the secondary just looks more in sync to me you know like, it just it looks more chilled together and it, other than obviously getting beat on i think it was like a vertical route from the slot you know how to get a game? Uh, Trey Herndon? That's right. <laughs> yeah. There was the one out of the slot, which, like, it was a perfect ball and, like, pretty good defense. Uh, so, like, that one was just, like, kind of like a what are you going to do, in my opinion. And then he Herndon also had a missed tackle in, like, the second quarter on – I think it was Justin Watson again. I think it was Pacheco. Maybe it was Pacheco. Maybe we're thinking of two different ones because one I had twelve missed tackles. <laughs> Herndon like misses one tackle that would have made it like fourth and nine, but instead uh, he missed a tackle and the Chiefs got to like fourth and two, and then like four players later they scored a touchdown. But other than like those two mishaps that I can like picture in my mind clearly, he had several pass breakups, several big tackles. Like generally speaking, had a good game. Yeah, and I. I... I had somebody yesterday, you know, tweet at me when I put out a, you know, a stat about Jenkins on Kelsey, you know, two targets, two pass breakups, like, you know, Mahomes still threw for 300 yards with a bad, uh, you know, receiver score, which is, you know, correct, but (laughs) 41 times, there's a 54 and a 34 yard completion there. Obviously, you don't want those, but I mean, they were just, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, what can you do? It was the 11th worst game the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era in terms of success rate. So, I mean, it it was as good, I think, as you can ask from the defense. That's why I also think for a week two game, this game was as deflating as it was because you're probably not going to see the defense play them that well again, you know, yeah. if you see them in the playoffs. You're probably not going to get 12 penalties against Kansas City again. You're probably not going to get three turnovers again, including two, one at the 17 and one at the 35. And you're probably not going to get Travis Kelsey getting like three personal fouls, you know, on his right. own basically to advanced drives. So you just – and you're not going to get a hurt Kelsey, you know, probably again. So they just aren't going to catch the Chiefs like they were 
this Sunday again, which, I mean, I what, the last 13 games, they're 9-4. Three losses to the Chiefs and, you know, one to the Detroit Lions. Like, the Chiefs just have the number. You know, like, it, I, for whatever reason it is, you know, whether it's players pressing, coaches pressing, which I, I do think can be a thing, you know. Doug Peterson's 0-3 against Andy Reid. It's like a Nick Saban thing at this point where he owns his assistants. Like, I think now he's 0-4 against Reid. Yeah, yeah, 0-4. My bad. Yeah, it's – it's I – at the Jaguars, you know, the season, you know, goes how they want, you know, over a 17-game period instead of two weeks. I don't think they want to see Kansas City in the playoffs. I, I, I just I, – I don't think this is a team that it looks like they can – on paper, they should be able to, and right. obviously, any team can win on any Sunday. But it just seems like they play the Chiefs, and the, it didn't happen to the defense this week. It felt like the defense kind of took last year personal. They played really well, but the offense just got in their own head and just evaporated. I, I feel like week two was just like a test to see where the Jaguars are at in terms of like kind of power rankings in the league. It's like, are they like a true, true contender, like in the same tier as like? the Kansas City Chiefs and, like, the Bills and the Eagles and the Niners and the Cowboys? Or are they, like, still in kind of, like, the tier below that where they're, like, kind of, like, fighting for contention and, like, a clear playoff team but not really in that upper echelon? So, in week two, like, they failed the test. Like, no one's going to announce them as, like, a clear Super Bowl contender now that they, like, lost to a Chiefs team that, like, they had a pretty good opportunity to win and, like, they're 0-3 in their chances to kind of, like, pass that test. Um, but, like, it, like, it's not that big of a deal to fail that test because, like, they still are, like, in the tier, like, right below, and they're still kind of yeah. working on the door. So, like, I think just, like, in the rest of the season, like, like with the offensive line, like, gelling together a little bit better with Cam coming back and then, like, Walker getting more experience – Walker – I mean, Anton Harrison getting more experience – and then on defense, like Devon Hamilton is still kind of come back. Like if Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd keep improving like week to week, um, like maybe they'll end up becoming like kind of like that tier. And then like, I don't know, I, I kind of think they want to see the Chiefs because like even if you're pointing about them like not being on the same level and like not being able to like get it done is true. Like I think now they're like going to want to see the Chiefs more than any other team in the playoffs just to like, themselves because I feel like a Chiefs win is like would feel almost as good as like winning the Super Bowl. Maybe not that. Now that I <laughs> that's that's why you should want no that that that's why they should want to play them. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's gotten a little bit too emotional at this point. But yeah, maybe that's I think that's probably as you said like they were just pressing so much like emotion might have been a slash the reason that they lost in week two. But I'm just saying like I think that like they'll prove over the course of the season or at least they had the chance to prove that they are in that like top tier and like because they really haven't played like a fully consistent game um like on both sides of the ball like yeah. under Peterson I feel like like maybe like one or two like big wins against like the Chargers in week three last year and then like the Texans in week 17 but like just like, I think like a big test for them for the rest of the season is like are can you like put together consistent games and Again, just like prove that you really should be in contention with the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on all fronts, and I think Sunday this Sunday will be a big testament to that. We'll obviously get to that on Friday. The last thing I want to talk about defense. 
I balky balled myself. The <laughs> the pass rush plan lasted six quarters, I think. That's when Josh Allen got hurt. He came yeah. back in the game, but he didn't look I think all of his he got three or three pressures, I think, and two quarterback hits. I think they all came in the first half. So he was dominating Donovan Smith. Then he got injured. You saw Caleb on Chase on play a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it just it just wasn't, you know, effective. And I know that it seems like they're really banking on DeWan Smoot when he comes back. But I thought this game perfectly summarized why the pass rush, like, you know, was maybe some a bit of a question. It's just when Allen went down, they didn't have anybody they could plug in there who could make a play. Dude, at one point they had number 90 playing on the edge. Who is – Angelo Blackson. And that's not an edge player. Like, speak for yourself. I felt like I was just like watching like an even bigger and even slower Dwayne Smoot trying to play edge. There was one side, like, you know how like good both Trayvon and Josh Allen are at being the backside run defender and like, yeah, just closing that gap. Like, there was one of those plays where he was 90 was a backside run defender and he was just like jogging to the other side of the formation or it looks like he was jogging. I don't know, but like I'm, I'm with you. Where like the edges, the depth is a concern. Yeah, let me see. They had PFF has him. He played 20 snaps, eight at defensive left tackle, one at nose tackle, nine at left in. Which it, it could be like I, I, I don't know how to define that. Whether it can be a three four defensive end or not, and then two at Leo, which I, I hate that that's in there. <laughs> so checks out. It checks out. Yeah, that is. They definitely, they definitely need bodies back. You know, and if they're healthy, you know, maybe you have Roy Robson Harris. You know, do that. But you need them inside because you know they don't have Devon Hamilton. So, yeah, it'll definitely be something to watch moving forward. Gus, we're going to take a quick break. Come back with our final segment. All right, Gus. We've put this game to bed. Tucked it in. Gave it a glass of milk. The Chiefs game is almost almost gone. All right, good. But we're going to finish off with game balls and hot takes. Yes. Hot takes. I I have one. I have two cooking, and I got to decide which one to give you. So I want you to go ahead and start with game balls. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Walker Little is gets my game ball on offense just because – I feel like he was like the most consistent player on offense. He allowed one pressure this past week or zero. Um, zero to one pressures allowed. Zero, John. One in week one. And one in week one. So one through the whole season. Um, and he's just been like the type of consistent that we're looking for. And it felt like he was really like the only offensive lineman who had a above average game against the Chiefs. So, shouts to Walker Little. And then for defense, I was thinking about Cisco and Herndon, but you just said his name, Roy Robertson Harris. I feel like he's been, like, even if he didn't make a bunch of, like, flash plays, um, like, this is kind of a game ball for the past two weeks, I guess. But, like, I think his presence has been, like, a major factor in terms of, like, (laughs) that already did it. He's just – he's been a major factor in, like, not in Devon Hamilton not being missed too badly because I I thought the team was going to miss Devon Hamilton like not desperately but 
a decent amount just because Ham is a really good player himself. Uh, so I think Roy Robertson Harrison, Roy Robertson Harris has done a really good job of kind of like helping to fill in that gap. Yeah, I'm, I'm thoughtful of Alakasi. Yeah, true. Yeah, good good two weeks. Good two weeks too. Yeah. You uh, you got a special teams game ball, or are you uh, agnostic toward toward them? I mean, Logan Cook had a couple of pretty far punts. The only player who scored points for the Jaguars, the uh, man, true, the man, <laughs> Brandon McManus, the manis. First keep that ever bank stadium. Yeah, it it like seems pretty clear. Like what one was a forty nine yarder that. They just trust him more. They ever trusted Riley Patterson. So uh, I'm with you. So, you know, game balls on my end. I agree. You know, walk a little on offense. They, their other four linemen all allowed like three pressures each. Like, yeah, every every single one of them. So three is crazy for like one player, but for four of them is wild. Yeah. So twelve pressures across the offensive line. None can walk a little. I think he's been, you know, the first or second best offensive player through two weeks. Defensively, Andre Cisco, I, 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 I think he, he just his range and what he can do in the both in the running game as tackling space and the passing game just adds a whole new dimension for them. He, you know, maybe should have had you know two picks. You know, so it it, it felt early on like he was really going to get one and. I don't need to tell you for you know actually in special teams Ross Madison he mm. covers punts like a linebacker and I'm pretty sure that's why he got a shoulder injury during the preseason he heard it on a tackle but yeah it, it it looks good so Gus you got a you got a hot take for me I I, I got uh, well first of all <clears throat> just to review our hot takes from last week oh, I'll say a little bit of carnival you know I oh, said Chris Jones will have more pressures. Then Kelsey has receptions. Ding, ding, ding. That was correct. Okay. You said Chris Jones will have zero sacks. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you have? One and a half? <laughs> I was almost yeah, right. Six pressures. I was almost right. I think maybe one, 1. 1.0 technically. Either one or one and a half. But, yeah, he definitely got at least one. Uh, my hot take for this week, though, is that the Jaguars will score 40 on the Texans, which is just like it sounds like it's about the Texans, but it's more about the Chiefs. Cause like basically my point is like again, like my worry level is like a two or three. And like I think a lot of the mistakes can be cleaned up. Uh like I'm just even as a, underwhelming as Sunday was, like now that we've had a couple of days to kind of like step back from it, like I'm not really worried about the offense or team in general. So I think they'll, I think they'll are going to have a big bounce back game in week three against Houston, but especially on offense. 40 points. I, I want to tattoo that. I'll take to, I want to tattoo it to my arms or specifically don't forget it for next week. <laughs> that, that is how badly I want it. That's, that's a, I'm not, I'm not getting in your way for that. Yeah. Okay. My hot take is. Evan Ingram needs to be the focal point of the offense after. Mm. I, I I think he's been arguably their best skill player this year. He has a 76.9 success rate. That's a target, dude. That's crazy. That is crazy. 
He has 13 targets. He has fewer than Christian Kirk by four. Yeah, six fewer than Calvin Ridley. He has the same amount of targets as Zay Jones. Zay Jones has a 30. So in the same amount of targets, Zay Jones has a 38.5% success rate. You know, like I, I, Evan Ingram, like that first down that he made against the Chiefs, where it felt like dude leapt like four yards. It, it perfectly yeah. showed you like why they extended him and like, I, I I just think the offense should flow through him maybe more than it has. And has he gotten a red zone target this year? I don't think so. And I think, I think maybe that's what they were missing someday. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it, obviously the Chiefs were obviously, you know, focusing on Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk in the red zone. So more Ingram. That's my hot take. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good one. He's his effort level has been like incredible to watch. And he's also been performing well. So I, that's a good take. I'm trying to think how I can put that into a prediction. Yeah. Uh, Evan Evan Ingram, 250 receiving yards, two touchdowns over the next three games. Ooh, okay. 250 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Over the next three. Over the next three games. I know for a second you thought I was going to say 250 against the Texans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, not going to go. I was waiting for it. I mean, I knew you weren't going to, but I was like holding out hope that you were going to say this week against the Texans. Yeah. I, I want to say, Gus, you know, my favorite thing in the press box, which it's not hard to do. There's nothing, you know, love my job, but absolutely hate. The press box, but my favorite thing about the press box, Gus, and we too, was you being like eight seats down the road. And every time something happens that relates to a hot take, I can just be like, that's right. The best was during the preseason when Bethard to Jones, because that hookup just like kept coming and coming. So then I'll yell at you eight seats down, but yeah, it's a good yeah. time. Well, yeah, well, well, we'll see if those seats, you know, well, I personally, Gus, in him waiting for the Texans games at home. If they don't score 40 points, I am going to give you absolute hell because we're, <laughs> we're, we're bringing my hot takes back. We're, we're going to bring yours. We're okay. Gonna, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Chris Jones, zero sacks with a game that he had. Like that's I, just said, okay. I said he was going to have a ton of pressures. Yeah. Maybe you did say that. I, I, I hedged my bet, you know, what, <laughs> Was it enough? Did it lack in genuine, you know, <laughs> actual facts? Yeah. Was it credible? You can't have both. You can't have it be like a genuine hot take or like a spicy hot take. Like, in, okay, in the I'll take, I'll, I'll take that back. I meant the hot. I meant the hot take, but I obviously was altering it. You know, like Play-Doh in my hand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, okay. the right way, but coming from the guy who gets bulky balled every week. All right, well, <laughs> we'll be back on Friday. Preview the Houston Texans. John Shipley, guest Logue. Thank you all for joining us.